Mark speaking to us today, but I'd love to invite you up just to pray for you before you begin. Yeah, come Holy Spirit. We pray that hasn't shattered, Lord. <laughs> Father, we just want to thank you for Mark. We want to thank you that he is well. We want to thank you for the way that he shepherds us, for your beloved son in whom you are well pleased. And I know, Lord, that you delight in him and just the way that he pours himself out for us, the way that he serves us with honour and with integrity and with love. And I pray, Lord, that as he speaks today, that you would just minister to each and every one of our hearts, that you would use him powerfully to share your love for us through him. And I pray, Lord, that for what he's poured out for this talk, you would give him a double portion. You would give him great rest over Christmas. We thank you that Mark, Steph and the kids are all doing well. And we just pray your continued um, good health for them over Christmas. We pray your love, joy and peace fills them at this time. Amen. 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 Bless you, Simon. Yeah, let's give Simon a hand. That was just so lovely of you, Simon. Thank you for, for your prayers. Bless you. Very touching. Thank you for that. Well, uh, yeah, it is, it is absolutely good to be back. Uh, I missed you all and you guys online as well. Uh, and it's just so good to, uh, to celebrate, isn't it, this Advent season, which we've been celebrating for the past uh, few weeks. It's been so wonderful. And as Jenna said, you know, we have been in a series entitled The Watch, Christ's First Advent. Now, why on earth have we called it Christ's First Advent? And what on earth does Advent even mean? Well, as way of recap, Advent, of course, is that Latin word, the Adventus, that means coming. And we are in the season of coming, that Advent season. And uh, really, historically, the Advent season has been a time where we prepare our hearts for the coming of Jesus in, in three areas, really, three ways. The first, of course, is that we celebrate the first coming of Jesus, don't we? There's 2,000 years ago uh, in Bethlehem. But the second coming is we celebrate the coming of Jesus into our lives every day, don't we? And we we, we, we prayed about that earlier at the end of worship, that reality that when we celebrate at Christmas, it's not just a celebration of a historical fact. It is a celebration of the reality of today, <laughs> that Jesus can come into our hearts and make a difference in our world and save us. <clears throat> but there's a third coming, and that is the second advent of Christ the promise that Jesus is coming again. And I don't know about you, that gets me excited. That is the hope, as it says in Titus. It is our blessed hope that Jesus is coming again, not this time as a, as a baby in a manger, but as the king to rule and reign in righteousness. And that is, as Christians, something we prepare our hearts for. And we're going to look at that uh, later in the talk. And over the past three weeks then, what we've been looking at are people that have been watching in that season out of the Christmas story. The first week we looked at the shepherds, didn't we, if you recall? The shepherds were, what were they doing? Watching their flocks by night. Do not fear, I'm not going to sing it again. I know you want me to, but I'm not. I'm going to restrain myself. They were watching, weren't they? Doing uh, their own, minding their own business, watching their sheep. And in the ordinary, something extraordinary happened, didn't it? Can you imagine watching some sheep? And all of a sudden, these angels appear. No wonder they said, do not be afraid. 
I come with great tidings of good news and joy. And they were watching in the ordinary, but in the ordinary, something extraordinary happened. And you know, that speaks to, we are all like shepherds in many ways. We are watching the ordinary every day. We're watching, you know, what's going on around us. But just like the shepherds, did you know that the extraordinary can break into your life? Did you know that just like the shepherds in the the day-to-day busyness of life, that in that, the good news of Jesus can break in and change your world just as it did the shepherds? Because the shepherds were presented with a choice, weren't they? They weren't told, I find it very interesting in the story, they weren't told, hey, get up, leave the sheep and go and worship. No, But the response to the good news was, we've got to go worship and find this baby. And you see, at this Christmas time, that is the choice that each one of us has. Are we just going to stay in that place of a historical celebration? Or are we going to make the choice, as the shepherds did, to worship the king? And then last week, you know, just so grateful to Chris Lane, our founding pastor, who uh, I called him, I don't know, a couple of days before. I was like, Chris, can you preach? And of course, uh, he, he, he preached a blinder and uh, he spoke about King Herod who was watching, that evil, narcissistic, insecure king was watching for the competition, as Chris said. And what I love about what Chris said is that uh, as, as Herod was watching, he was confronted with the truth that he wasn't actually the true king that even though the Romans had invested him as king of the Jews, and that was the title that King Herod had, the reality was he was not the true king. And so Herod was confronted with this. You're not the king of your life. (laughs) You better get off your throne. And uh, as Chris said, isn't there always a little bit of the mini Herod in us? You mean I'm not the king of my own life? You mean that I'm here to worship another king? And I think that's a great challenge for us. And I loved what Chris said at the end of his talk. He encouraged us to take stock of our lives, to surrender as we feel that, 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 that pull to Jesus, to surrender and then to submit. And that brings us, therefore, to the final talk and the final group of characters in our trilogy. Who was watching? Any guesses where we arrive at this morning? We do get to the manger, but who are the characters that we're watching that we haven't covered yet? That's it. Thank you for that, Tracy. We get to the three kings or the wise men. You know, I absolutely love Christmas. In the words of Andy Smith, it's the most wonderful time in the year. Is that right? Or does he say something else? It is a wonderful time. I love it. I love the mince pies. I love the mulled wine. I love the Christmas carols. I love watching the kids do nativity. And you know what I really love is the Christmas lights everywhere. Who loves Christmas lights? Yeah, they're just amazing, aren't they? I mean, my little Ellie, we were in the car recently driving around, we were driving somewhere, and it just seems to be that this year everyone's got Christmas lights out. Have you noticed that? And Ellie said, people are really going for it this year, aren't they, Daddy? True, you know, they're making the most of it. You know, we had a lousy Christmas last year. We're going to make the most of this year. Let's get the Christmas lights out. And uh, in our neighbourhood, we've got some very creative lights. One of our neighbours has this round hedge 
And so they arranged the lights to make it look like a pudding with the cream coming down. Very creative. Our other neighbours have a flagpole. And they put a star on top of the flagpole. And that was very creative. We, we also had a family meeting before Christmas to plan out our Christmas lights. So I decided to go. We had some work done on our house and we had some electric points outside. So I thought, well, this is the year to avail myself of the electric points outside. So I mapped it all out, the meters, right? I need this extension lead. I need this bit here. And uh, we went for it. But you know what I've discovered? When you start, you can't stop. Because already, Steph, darling, what about if we kind of had some lights there next year? Anyone experiencing this? And all of a sudden, you're like, did you see what so-and-so said down the road? I love that idea. We should do the same. We should have this huge tree outside. And last night was great. We came back. Well, we were out last night, and I said, and uh, one of the kids says, we could have a nativity scene outside. So that's great. I said, I know what, we'll hire some real actors. <laughs> and we'll have them outside doing that. That'd be brilliant, hey? So yeah, I can see where this thing goes. By the way, if you want to see some great Christmas lights, in St. Albans, we have quite the attraction. Some of you might know what I'm talking about. Tracy's uh, shaking, uh, nodding her head. At Beach Road on the corner of Harpenden Road, yeah? I mean, it's quite impressive. There's scaffolding up. There, so if you can't get to Trafalgar Square for the lights, you don't need to worry. Just go to Beach Road. I mean, they've got, every year seems to be more and more. I mean, I feel for their neighbours at nighttime, they go to bed. Can you imagine? It's like, we've got floodlights in our room. Can, I mean, I just drive by and think, I wonder what their electricity bill's like. You know, the practical guy in me. <laughs> but I absolutely love lights. And what I've discovered as well is that there's three camps of people that love lights. You've got your coloured people that like, your co- people that like their coloured lights. You've got your people that like your bright white lights, and then you've got your warm white light people. It's true, isn't it? Right, and I want you guys to participate online, okay? We're going to do a bit of a straw poll, because I think I've got a hunch, doing a bit of an assessment, um, the most popular type of light. So here we're going to do a bit of a test. Are you online? Can you all wave at me online? Right, there we go. Right, hands up if you are a coloured light person. Few. There's a few. What about online? Can you guys give me a hands up if you're coloured lights people? No, they're not. But it's, come on, guys. I can see you here on my phone. Okay, clearly no one online is coloured lights. Okay, what about bright white lights? Yeah, there's more there. That's what I thought. Oh, hello. We've got bright whites here. Vicky's doing a wave. Lots of hands going up here for bright whites. Oh, Vicky says coloured joy. Lissy, you're, 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 you are getting to my third one, which is warm lights. Who's warm lights? Yes. We've got warm lights. Jen, you've got your hand up there. We've got other people warm lights. How about online? Oh, my word, it's going off the charts online. Everyone's a warm white. That's what I figured, you see. I, I'm a warm white kind of guy. Not that I have anything, I haven't got anything against you coloured lights, people, or anything <laughs> against you bright white lights, people, but I love the warm lights. They're very warming. Anyway, by the way, I am going to use the scripture in a minute. Don't worry. We're not just going to be talking about white lights. And wow, you guys are kicking off online. Oh dear, what have I done? Oh, there's an, oh no, oh no, there's kicking off big time. There's arguments and all sorts. Someone said blue. Oh yeah, blue lights. Let's not even get onto, do you do twinkling or do you have it steady? You know, what have I done, Jenna? Honestly, there is a point to all this. Anyway, last night, you don't mind me just telling stories, do you? Uh, last night, Steph and I and the kids actually went out in the evening with some friends to Kenwood House. And they have a light trail. And it was so beautiful. Uh, anyone want to see some photos I took? 
Yeah, okay. Don't worry, it's not like holiday snaps. You won't be here. They're not 50 photos, there's a few. So can we just show some of these in the room and online? What have we got here? Look at that, look at that tree. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that lovely? Look at those lights and the stars on that. What about another one? We've got another photo. What else have we got? Look at that, isn't that beautiful? Look at all those lights. What else have we got, Joe? Wow. Look at the response in the room, isn't it interesting? It takes your breath away, doesn't it? I think we've got one more, maybe. Look at that. Isn't that beautiful? And as I said, there is a point to the conversation about light, because it brings us to where I want to continue from Chris last week when he looked at what is a very famous couple of verses that we read at Christmas, and that, of course, is found in Isaiah 9. Why don't you turn with me on that? We're going to look at verse 2 and verse 6. It'll be on the screen, and indeed, for those of you online, it will be up on your screen as well. And it says this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of a deep darkness, a light has dawned. Verse six, for us, for, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Wow, I just absolutely love that. How do you feel when you, when you hear that? For some of you, you might feel quite Christmassy, given that this is typically read at Christmas. But I venture to say that and suggest that it's not just a Christmas feeling. There is something more about this, that it brings us a sense of hope, that it brings us almost a sense of joy. There is a warming effect that this has. Listen, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. How do you feel when I read that? Is there something in you that is attracted to that? You know, light has a functional purpose, doesn't it? You know, one of the things I love about Christmas lights where we are is that we don't normally have, we don't have street lights. And so it means that when I come home, I don't step in mud when I get out of my car. But it's more than, it's not really talking about the functional benefit of light here. Because it's more than that. It says this, those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. There is something beautiful about light, isn't there? There's something that we are attracted to. When we saw those photos from last night when I was at Kenwood House, you don't just think, oh, that's very nice, isn't it? At least someone can walk past that tree and see where they're going. What do you say? Wow, isn't that beautiful? Oh, isn't that lovely? You see, it's more than that light. You see, what we have here is a light we are talking about is a person, that we are attracted to the person who? Jesus. Because it says this in verse six, for unto us a child is born. The people were walking in darkness have seen a great light. Who is that great light? For unto us a child is born. That is the light of this world. Yes, as Jesus comes, there is a, if you like, a functional benefit. 
We see the truth that we cannot see without him. But it's more than just that. We see his beauty. There is something in us that is attracted to him. For unto us a child is born. The Prince of Peace comes. That light is Jesus this Christmas time. And you know, the light of Jesus, the good news is that he comes with hope and peace. And we read here that people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And you see the promise is the same 2,000 years ago as we walk in this present darkness. What is that present darkness? It's not that we can't see where we're going. It's that we walk in fear and anxiety. That we walk in the sin that is all around us that we see the depravity, you only have to look at the news every day. That is the darkness. We see the result of sin. We see the result of separation from God all around us. That is the darkness that Jesus comes into. What is that light? It is the light that brings hope, brings peace, brings comfort, brings encouragement, and brings salvation brings restoration of relationship with a Father God who loves us. And the question for each one of us this morning is this, are we watching and looking for Jesus to break into our present darkness? Are we looking for Jesus to come in and shed and be that light that we need in our dark lives? That is the question for us. And it brings us, to the, brings us to, as Tracy said, the wise men, our final characters in the trilogy that we have been looking at. And with that, I'd like us to look at Matthew. Let's look at this Christmas story, chapter 2, verses 1 to 2, as we pick up the story and look at these wise men. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the day of Herod the king, And of course, as I said, Chris looked at this last week. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, who is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And I I just want to look at three things in this one sentence. Three things that we can learn not just about these wise men, but that are applicable for us today in the context of watching and looking for Jesus to break into the darkness around us. You know, isn't it interesting here that it says we have seen his star? His star. You know, we need to understand these wise men, or magi as they were called, they were actually a priestly caste that were in Persia. And you see... These priests paid particular attention to the stars, you see, and they gained an international reputation for astrology, which was at the time a really highly regarded science. And so what they would do is actively spend their time looking at the heavens, watching for a sign, specifically something about and for God. That's what they were doing. They weren't wise men that were busy looking through books and all of a sudden they said, what is that light out there? Huh, that looks like a star. No, you see, they were actively watching. Every night they were there. What is God going to show us? Now, why on earth would they do that? Well, you know what? The answer is found in Genesis chapter one. Did you know this? Why don't we look at this? 
Genesis chapter one, verse 14, this is what it says. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. And we know that to be true, do we not? But hey, more than just this. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. No surprise, therefore. No surprise, therefore. And you know, Jesus himself said, when he talked about in the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 25, that in the signs of the coming of man, there will be signs in the heavens. Why? Because God had intended for the stars and the other elements in the heavens like the moons to show us signs. You know, if we had time, I would tell you how the Tetriac blood moons that we've had recently have fallen exactly on Jewish festivals. Did you know this? None of this is by accident. It's all by design. And so I'm not suggesting, although you might want to go out and look at the stars every night, although it is a beautiful thing to do. But what I'm trying to suggest is this that you see the wise men are a typology for us. What do I mean by that? The wise men were watching for the first advent of Christ. Here's the question. Are we watching for the second advent of Christ? Well, you might say to me, well, it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that we should do. Really? Let's look at Jesus' own words, Matthew 25, 13. Therefore, keep watch. (laughs) <laughs> because you do not know the day of the, or the hour. Keep watch. And we're in this series called Watch. As I said at the start of this series, you know, if we just celebrate Christmas as a historical event, it gives us almost permission to detach ourselves from a heart response this Christmas. But what I'm trying to do is suggest that Christmas is more than that. It is a reminder that he can come into our hearts today and that he is coming again. And that rather then saying, well, it's not going to happen. Say, what, hap- what if what if he came tomorrow? Are you watching? You know, Jesus looked at the parable of the virgins, didn't he? Matthew 25, and said essentially this, keep awake, keep your fire, keep your oil in your lamp burning. Are we keeping our oil in our lamp burning for Jesus to come? Do we recognise and realise that we're the bride of Christ? You know, in the Galilean wedding, the bride did not know the hour that the groom would come because why? The, the groom had gone off to the father's house, how beautiful is this, to prepare a place for him and the bride. Ring any bells? Now the, the groom didn't know the hour to go get the bride, but the father knew and he would say, right, you're ready, go get your bride. And the bride, the groom would go with his entourage and the best man would blow the trumpet. Ring any bells? And they would get the bride and they would put the bride on a chair and lift the bride up. (laughs) Ring any bells? Rapture. You see, when Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, the disciples knew exactly what he was talking about. What was it about? A wedding was coming. And I got some good news for you. You're all invited. In fact, you're the bride. But the question I've got for you is, are you preparing yourself for him? Because that bride didn't know when, she would just keep herself prepared every day. Can you imagine? But that is what Jesus is saying here. You see, the wise men are a typology for us. 
We don't just look at the wise men and say, oh, what a lovely picture. And it is lovely. It's actually to suggest, are you like the wise men? Are you obeying the command of Jesus and keeping watch? Are you keeping your fire burning for the groom that's about to come? Make no bones about it. Jesus is coming. Are we ready? Let me move on. A second observation in this one sentence. They said this, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? How on earth did these magi know it was king of the Jews? How did that make the connection? Well, of course, it doesn't say in the text how that is the case, but we can hazard some, some, some um, guesses on this. It's, it's likely improbable, go with me on this, as they were magi, magi in Persia, okay, they would have read the writings of Daniel the prophet. Now, Daniel served Darius the king of Persia, when the Jews were in exile. Remember, they get exiled to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar, then he's thrown out and the Medes and Persians come in and then Daniel serves Darius. And so these writings of Daniel, you see, 600 years later, these wise men are saying, you know what? There is gonna be a Messiah coming. The king of the Jews is coming. I mean, he says it here. So not only were they watching in the sky for a sign from God, they knew exactly what it was pointing to. They knew that Jesus was coming. You see, prophecy in the Bible is there to demonstrate that God is real. Did you know that? You know, the Christian religion is the only religion where you can point to the Bible and say that prophecy came true. Do you know that? And of course, the Old Testament being the the book for the Jews as well. You see, everything was pointing to Christ's first advent. It shouldn't have been a surprise to anyone. And indeed, when King Herod, as Chris looked at last week, was confronted with that truth, he consulted the scribes and, they, and what did they do? They read from Micah that Jesus was coming. Let's read that. In Matthew 21, 6, they quoted Micah saying this, but you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. It should not have been a surprise to anybody of Christ's first advent, and it really shouldn't be a surprise to us of Christ's second advent. All the hundreds of prophecies about the coming of Jesus first and dying on the cross. By the way, you know, mathematicians have done some work on the probability. And out of the almost, I think it's a few hundred, just one of them is is gazillions to one. Prophesied that, the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, that alone. But what about all the rest? I mean, even the fact that when Jesus was crucified and they cast lots for his clothes was prophesied 700 years before. Well, I've got some news for you. Our Bible contains prophecies of Jesus' second coming. And so we know that he's coming. It shouldn't come as a surprise to us. And indeed, if we know this to be true, that Christ's first advent was fulfilled to the letter, then let me tell you, Christ's second advent will be fulfilled to the letter. And if that's the case, I don't know about you, but that gives me a sense of urgency to fulfill the great commission to make Christ known. You see, this Christmas period is the perfect season to speak to our family and friends, say, you know, we're not just celebrating a historical event, we're celebrating the reality that Jesus has come into your life today. That darkness that you experienced, that, that pain, that sorrow, that loss, that anxiety, that fear, you know, Jesus can meet you where you're at right now. And his light, just like the Christmas lights that we see around us, that light that we go, wow, is that light called Jesus. But more than that, guess what? You can spend eternity with him. And guess what? You're invited to a wedding banquet. 
That is the good news, is it not? You see, this, the, the breaking into darkness is the central theme of the gospel message, which is that when God the Father saw us, he sent his only begotten son. Isn't that beautiful? Let's move on because I'm mindful of the time. I said three things, didn't I? So seeing his star, they say, he said they, uh, they are here to worship the king of the Jews. The third thing is this. They said, we have come to worship him. Isn't that interesting? You see, always the right response to the king coming is to worship him. They got it. Wow, if the king of the Jews is really coming, then we're going to worship. That is our priority, isn't it? As we say in the vineyard. It is to worship. That is what we've been created for, right? I mean, that's why Jesus has come, to restore relationship with the Father who loves us so that we can worship him. You know, it says in the Westminster Catechism, what is the chief end of man? The answer, to worship God and to enjoy him forever. That's why we've been created. You know, when uh, the wise men bring the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, that was worship. That was an outworking of their hearts. You see, worship is not lip service, like Herod, you know, Go and find him, and and I want to be able to worship him, so tell me where he is. There was no heart there. And it's the same in our lives, isn't it? You know, our our time, our energy, our money, as we talked, you know, Simon mentioned earlier, the giving is part of our worship. It is an overflow of our hearts. When we realise that he is our king and our Lord and he is the light in this present darkness, our response is to give him everything that we have because we recognise that everything we have is from him. I mean, it says in the scriptures that our very breath is from him. Your next breath is because of him. You know, Jesus sustains us. And what I love about this, and I talked about the typology of the wise men, that it's a typology for us. That not only are we here to watch, not only can we see in the scriptures that he is the king, but that we are to worship him upon that revelation. And I want to ask you the question this morning, are you worshipping him this Christmas season? Are you worshipping him? I'm not just talking lip service. What is that sacrifice? Romans 12.1. Romans 12.1, read that. But I don't want to stay on those three points because like any good story, there is a twist to the story. Dun, dun, dun. Who loves a good twist in the plot? You know, the chapter three of a movie, you know, of a book, yeah. The setup in chapter one. Chapter two, everything seems to be going hunky-dory. Then, oh, my word, something happens in chapter three. Did not see that coming. Well, let me tell you, there's a twist to this story. What is the twist to this story? You know, at the start of this series, we've been, what, a couple of weeks ago now, Emma Blustin, who's on staff and who spoke, uh, was a couple of months ago now, on forgiveness. And by the way, that was just a stellar talk on forgiveness. If you're in that place and you're needing to forgive, can I encourage And By the way, we all need to forgive. You know, listen to that talk. You can get it on our website, the Vineyard Church, UK forward slash talks or our app. But two weeks ago, Emma Blustin during the worship had a picture of 
the mountain of God, she described it as a huge mountain, and she knew in the picture that it was God's holy mountain. And at the top of this mountain was this huge, you know, like you see those lights on the top of a lighthouse. And this light was streaming down, and it was upon the inhabitants of the world, so to speak. That's my language, not hers. And it was the sense that God, here's the twist, was watching over us. You know, uh, I remember when Lucy, my eldest, she's 12, was born. We were living in Australia at the time. I remember the first day we brought her home from, from hospital. Some of you parents will know what I'm talking about, that kind of mixture of excitement and nerves. Oh, flip, we're on our own now. And I remember, you know, Steph, understandably exhausted, and so we got home, and, and come the evening, she fed Lucy, and she went to bed, and I said, right, don't worry, leave Lucy with me, and then when she's ready for her next feed, I'll bring her in, blah, blah, blah. So I remember sitting on the sofa, Lucy had just been fed, and I put her on my belly, and she fell asleep. I'm like, oh, she's asleep. Don't move. Please, Mark, just don't mess this up. So anyway, an hour goes. Don't fall asleep, Mark. I'm like, keep awake. If you fall asleep, she's going to fall over. And I remember for what, maybe three, four hours, just dying. It was like maybe one in the morning by this point. And then Lucy started crying. I got half asleep to Steph. Just feed, feed Lucy. I bring her back to the lab, put her back. Stay awake. Don't fall asleep, Mark. She's quiet for the Steph is sleeping. And then I don't know, maybe it was five in the morning. And I had stayed up the whole night watching Lucy. Now, of course, it's an imperfect picture because our Heavenly Father doesn't slumber nor sleep. But I want to tell you that he is exactly the same with you. He has you in his arms and he is watching over you. See, the twist of this story is we've been looking about how we are called to watch for him. But here's the twist. We can only do so because he watches over us. He watches over us and says, you know what? They need rescuing. You know what? They need a great light. I'm going to send my only begotten son. So whoever believeth in him will not perish but have eternal life. That is the good news this Christmas. And so as we've been looking at these characters who've been watching, let us remember that they have been able to do so and we are able to do so because he first watched us. God the Father sent his only begotten son to bring light into this world. That is the promise of, of Christ's first advent. That is the promise of Christ's advent into our lives today. And that is the promise and our hope of Christ's second advent, that he is coming again, not as a lowly baby, but as a king to rule and reign. Why? Because he's watching over you this Christmas season. And with that, I'd like you to stand as I invite the band up and as we pray. Thank you, Lord. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Lord, I pray that that would be a reality for each one of us this Advent season. Lord, we look around us in this world and oh boy, are we in darkness. So much fear, spirit of fear that is running rife. 
so much anxiety, so much stress, so much discomfort. I pray, Lord, that in this darkness, you would break in, your light would dawn. But Lord, this Christmas season, we would make a choice to lift our eyes up to you, that we would welcome you into our hearts this very moment and prepare our hearts for your coming again. Why? Because that brings us hope. Lord, it says in your word that we are not of this world, but we are walking through. (laughs) When we truly understand that we are yours and you're coming back for your bride, that brings us peace, knowing that we are yours. That you are watching over us, that we are on your lap, and that you never slumber nor sleep. I pray, oh God, that in this Christmas time, that would be a lived reality for each one of us, I pray in your precious name. Let us worship. Amen.